0: Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Hi, I'm former Buffalo Bills wide receiver Don Beebe, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellows on Circling the Wagons podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. Because nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons
1: podcast, a
0: podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion, most times. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate.
1: Hey, Bills fans, welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I am your host, Nate. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this uh, special first day of training camp episode where uh, I actually got a chance to go to training camp. So I have some observations uh, from that. Some We have some news and notes from that um, and uh, a lot of player discussion in general to talk to because I I am joined by uh, one of the staff writers from buffalorumblings.com, one of my favorite people to talk to um, in general on and off the air, Buffalo Bills or not. Um, this is Sean Murphy from buffalorumblings.com. Sean does uh, the 90 players in 90 days. He also does a lot of cool fast hit pieces on uh, anything and everything that's going on, uh, Buffalo Bills related or not. Uh, Sean and I actually met uh three jesus it's been three years ago now when the last time that the bills were in saint john fisher uh because i live in the area you traveled up for it you stayed there we met up we had beers afterwards we talked uh we talked buffalo bills and uh and it's been uh fun to talk to you ever since. so i'd like to welcome back sean murphy to the circling the wagons podcast sean it is so good to talk to you man how are you doing
0: all right, man. It's really good to hear from you again. It's it's always good to to both see you and hear you. And uh, I am uh, kind of reliving our our first meeting here. And while I'm sitting in the dungeon, I am uh, enjoying a beer while we speak. So I hope that that's uh,
1: acceptable on my behalf. That is absolutely ex- actually recommended. It's recommended. Um, I feel like I th- this is it's funny because when we first met, like we didn't know each other, but I knew that you were part of BuffaloRumblings.com. And, you know, you're writing, you're doing it right. And I'm like, Hey, Matt, can you, I asked Matt Warren and like, Hey, can you hook me up with, uh, with Sean? Because like, it'd be cool to talk to him and see, get his perspective because you were down on the field as a media member last time that you were there, uh, which only feels like a year ago, but I know it was like three years ago now, which is crazy. Um, well yeah
0: we lost those two years to uh you know the the plague and whatnot so we we've been out and everything has stopped so it does it feels like oh yeah i was just a camp last year nope that was three years ago
1: and you know being a camp today that vibe was definitely there of like we haven't been here in a while people really wanted to soak this in soak it all up you know it was it was really cool seeing everyone there um it was just, so let me, let me just give you a quick idea of, of the vibe that was there, just because I, I was able to go. I wasn't supposed to go, but one of my friends just got season tickets this year. And he's like, Hey, I got, you know, tickets. So my co-host John came with me. I went and he went and the three of us went there. And you know, we had a good time. We had a good time. What, what I will say is super nice guy I went with one of my good friends, um, from college. He had never been to training camp ever, ever. Was that your first time mm-hmm. going when you came up, Sean?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. No, that was that was the first. And uh my my wife had said to me, I don't know, you're gonna try to go again? And I was like, Is that something I can do? She was like, Maybe not with a baby. So (laughs) maybe it'll be the, the last time and the first time, but maybe before they, you know, move into this big multi billion dollar stadium, I'll try to get in there again. But yeah, that was my that was my first time. It was one of those things that I'd always talked about and never actually acted on. Yeah, and I finally was like, "Ah, screw it, let's go."
1: Yeah, and I, and I like that. You know, th- that's a good thing about talking about the experience in general, is that you know we've I I live in the Rochester area, so I've been to dozens of training camps, and um, you know, it, it's something that you kind of get you know you forget because there's a lot of people folks out there that are fans have never had a chance to go there and some don't care it's not like you know this incredible oh my gosh you know this is just like you know stepping into avatar like it's not like that okay okay like, let's let's temper expectations but it's a cool atmosphere it's the closest you n- ever normally get to players um oh, yeah. you know unless you're sitting like right around the bowl at ralph wilson or whatever like you're you're this is the closest you can get and it's a really cool you know uh just open air sort of just i mean the players are there. That it's just like it's palpable. The the amount of like excitement, not only for like training camp to start and the first time it's been here in three years, but like this is this season has huge expectations. More so than I mean, I can remember in my lifetime minus the Super Bowl years. I mean, can you do? Yeah. Do you get that feeling from from your end?
0: Well, I mean, the last time that I remember, like, because the last time I remember going to school. And having kids look at me and be like, oh, man, yeah, Buffalo's really good was not when I was teaching school like I've been. This will be my 15th year as a teacher coming up. But it was when I was a you know seven year old and I'd go in and guys were like, boy, I love losing Super Bowls because all these, you know, they were surrounded by me because I'm, I'm in the Hudson Valley. So it's either they're Jet fans, so I, I can't deal with them. Uh-huh. the giant fans which I'll pretend to tolerate but they would all look at me and be like, "Hey, remember Super Bowl 25?" and I'd be like, "Yeah, remember, you know, go away." Or there'd be <laughs> all those guys that were wearing Cowboys starter jackets and I'm like, "Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go to Dallas, pal." But no, <laughs> this 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 complete year like the way that we're looking here and the way that the the talking heads are sitting here saying "Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo." And the, the expectations are through the roof. Whereas it, it almost feels like I don't want to say that it's Super Bowl or bust, but it has that vibe where if, if they don't take a very distinguishable next step, going farther than Kansas City, for example, in the mm-hmm. postseason, yeah. uh, getting to a Super Bowl, uh, I don't even want to say the L word when it comes to, A Super Bowl Mm. if they got there again I don't think I could handle it but the but getting there and getting to at least have the chance to be one of the last two standing I, I
1: think that has to be the the minimum expectation for these guys that's something I never really thought about because uh you know this is just expectations for this season but like imagine if they didn't win a Super Bowl but they ended up beating Kansas City to get to the next level or the next round of wherever they were you know maybe to the AFC championship and they lose like that's that's not Super Bowl, but like that might be considered a step in the right direction because this was a hurdle you just couldn't get over. Um, I, I don't want, want to think that far ahead, but like that's a good point you brought up, like being being able to beat Kansas City, which is something the Bills have never been able to do in the postseason in recent memory. So uh, that would be a huge step. Um, yeah,
0: because you've got like, is it that's actually a question? Is it a success? Let's say that they they beat Kansas City in the divisional round. But then they get knocked off by the Chargers or they get knocked off by the Bengals or they get knocked. Who's
1: another team in the AFC? That uh, they beat Denver, them? Maybe? Denver, maybe Denver with Russ with, Rus- with I know, guess Wilson?
0: maybe, but like if, if they lose to one of those three teams, is the season a failure? If they, if they've beaten Kansas City, gone another step, it's yeah. it's, it's a, it's a win. It's a weird thing to talk about, right? It's on, a win on day to beat Kansas. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah. We're already talking about January and February, right? Like it's it's funny. I think I could I could argue that like a win over Kansas City in the divisional round and some, you know, crazy loss, like, it would still suck. Like the the season would still be a disappointment. But like that week after winning against Kansas City would feel amazing it'd feel almost like <laughs> making it to the Super Bowl you know what I mean
0: I'd feel pretty good
1: <laughs> feel re- so so there's some there's some uh, real quick so my friend had never been to to train camp before so he's one of those guys where I'm like I've been there so many times like this is how I imagine I've only been to Disney once in my life this is how I imagine like people that go to Disney every single year like since they were like children and now they're like in their 30s like yeah. this is how I imagine them going because like I'm that guy I'm like the guy that's been to Disney like because I've been to so many train camps I'm like let's go to our seats let's go to our seats he's like no i want to check out the tents you know and they're all just vendors selling stuff or you know you know or it's for like little kids like if you bring your kids with you it's a great like you know throw footballs you know throw this and that you know like beanbags like they have little tiny like you know uh, drill areas set up for the kids you know that small stuff i'm just like let's go let's go every minute we stand here we get worse seats and so we ended up staying so long that like we didn't get great seats so i had i had some observations from like the field view um which was still pretty good we were like at the 35 40 yard line um on one side of it so i still saw some cool stuff but then there was some some stuff just like you know at the other end zone is just hard to watch but um real quick you wrote some articles today there's some news today to go over um about some some players that you know you don't find find out about until training camp literally started today and uh could you update us on like the Roger Saffold information? I know that you know we were talking on the Slack channel about it. Um, Roger Saffold is starting the uh, the season on the pop, right? Or
0: well, no, not yes. Saffold's so not... on NFI. He's NFI. on the, the non football injury because his was a he was in a car accident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, our Dan Lavoy, our uh, our other sleep deprived new father on the staff. <laughs> had, uh, he had the privilege of getting the, the Saffold news, which that came out. Uh, that was one of those things that, that dropped right at the, the Sean McDermott first press conference where your, you know, your big stud guard that you signed is not going to be able to begin with you as the, uh, as the starter in mind, uh, at least in camp. Uh, I do think that, uh, Brandon Bean afterward had, uh, noted that, they expect him to be ready for the regular season, but right now it's, it's ribs, uh, and anything with a lineman, anything that you, you try to do in life, if your ribs are sore, uh, is, is going to be difficult. I think that the line was that he said that Saffold was having trouble sleeping even. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. they, they didn't want to try to throw him into camp right away so saffold is on nfi uh and then there were three guys that they put on the uh on the pup list the physically unable to perform list two of them not exactly a surprise uh Tredavious dwight as he continues to rehab back from that acl tear that he suffered on thanksgiving night and uh ike butker who tore his achilles tendon uh during that week 16 win over new england they're both going to start off on pup as is uh, defensive tackle Eli Anku. Uh, he they they didn't say it in the beginning, uh, but I saw again once Bean came in and updated. Uh, he has a calf strain, which he said is a kind of injury that could take days, could take weeks to heal. Uh, and like we were talking in the Slack channel, uh, that that calf injury is what really. Uh, messed with John Feliciano last year. Uh, cause anytime that you get big boy trying to, uh, anchor and the muscles and the legs aren't working quite as, as they would want them to be, or they just don't feel great, that's, that's never a good sign. And Anku, uh, although he's not a big name in the middle there, did a really nice job for Buffalo last year, filling in as that one tech when, uh, when Star was down for a little bit. He was rotating in there with Harrison Phillips. Uh, so it's, it's possible then in this rebuilt defensive line, uh, if Anku's got to miss some time, he may have been a fringe guy to, uh, to battle. Chances are he wouldn't have made the roster, or isn't going to, but he, he strikes me as a really good practice squad guy uh, to hang around. So I, I do hope that it's more on the days than it is weeks because my man came in last year and, and did a really nice job in some, uh, in some limited, action
1: yeah that's the beauty of you being able to do the 90 players in 90 days is that you uh you know about all these players that we haven't really thought about and and like Elianku, like that's that's a great example there's gonna be some players I I talk about a little bit later on that I know you've written about but like it's 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 really that's that's good to know that like you know it's he's good depth at that position I don't really remember him to be quite honest but uh I'm looking at, like, you know, I was just looking at your article right now. You mentioned Tredavious White. It doesn't sound like, though, that like, it doesn't mean that he won't, like, play any of training camp or be part of any of it. it just, right. It's just right now, it, we don't know. We don't know when he's going to come yeah. back.
0: Yeah. And, like, from what I and I may be wrong, so if I if I say this and then somebody listens back and they're like, no, 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 Sean, you're completely wrong. Please correct me. But I think that with with White going on Pup, if a player practices at all during the camp and, and preseason, he's not allowed to go on Pup to begin the regular season. Mm. He would have to go on the injured reserve, which would mean that they'd have to save a roster spot for him, which would mean that they'd have to cut somebody in order to do so. So if they're even kind of nervous about White, uh, or if they just want to manage this very conservatively, getting him back because at Thanksgiving is what? That's, that's eight months.
1: It's not you that know? long. Yeah.
0: That's no, that's, that's, that's a tight turnaround. And even though modern medicine is what it is and, and Trudavius White is in the, you know, 1% of 1% of, of the world's greatest athletes, theoretically, mm-hmm. he, it's not, you don't need to mess around with it. And like, I call me overly conservative with how I'd manage it. And you've got a tough schedule every year. The schedule is tough. The NFL is a tough league. If, if White doesn't play one snap for the first month of the season, and then he plays half the snaps for the next month, and then he plays three quarters of the snaps for the third like leg of the year, and then he's back to full go by December, I think they're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I really do. Because the, the depth that they have built there, Dane Jackson is is very good. Um, Kyer Elam is a phenomenal athlete. So if he can figure it out in the defense, he's going to be fine. Tarrant Johnson is one of the best slot corners around. Um, and, and then you've got the, the other outside depth perhaps isn't great because you've got guys like maybe it's Nick McLeod, who was an undrafted guy last year. Maybe it's Christian Benford. Uh, you know, Saran Neal is really a, a special teams guy, but I, I think if you're conservative with White, it's not the worst thing in the world. And there's there's some smoke around Joe Hayden too. If you if you look around, if the interwebs don't lie to me, there uh, there's a lot of Buffalo players who seem to be trying to get Hayden to come on. So if he were okay with doing the hundred percent for the first month. And then 75 and then 50 and then phasing himself <laughs> out of the defense by the end to get a ring. Okay. I, I yeah. don't think that's a bad deal either. So maybe if, if Joe Hayden's listening to this podcast, then let's, uh. Meet Nate and I at uh, at a brewery in Rochester, and we'll talk into it.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also make sure that you're not expecting a whole lot of money because Bills don't have a whole lot of salary cap room left. <laughs> no, <anymore>. they've got <laughs> almost nothing. Yeah, you yeah, almost I, have to I, go I like at a vet minimum, right? Like, I mean, there's, there's just—I mean, I think they're like five million left in their cap space or whatever. So that's uh, like but, uh, emergency, in Bean right? We trust, man. Yeah, oh, in yeah, Bean, but yeah. That, he'll find a way.
0: Yeah, that man is a wizard. He'll he'll try <laughs> to figure something out. He'll make it like. The veterans minimum plus some sort of like bonus package that he'll be able to attain later.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe he'll throw in a car and some wings. It'll be good. <laughs> and uh so one of the one of the players you just wrote about was Jordan Poyer in your ninety players ninety days. And Jordan yes. Poyer was there today. He was practicing in full. Apparently, his representation in Drew Rosenhaus was there also in attendance to talk to yeah. Brandon Bean about a new contract. I mean, what what did you think about that when you when you read that?
0: Well, that's that's interesting to me because I I know that I think Matt Warren was was a bit more on the optimistic end that yeah they're going to get a deal done and I think I'm more on the pessimistic end where I'm looking at a guy and saying mm, um, they got to pay a lot of people here they have some depth at safety they've had some guys step in and play well in in short spells Poyer's a great player maybe this is the guy that they're going to say no we're going to let him walk but if Perhaps Drew Rosenhaus is there for for posturing, but I don't I don't think he's there just to to wear a T-shirt that that has his agency's name on it and walk around the sidelines. If he's there, it's got to be to talk to Bean. And if he's there talking to Bean, then it's got to be a good sign. There's there's no way that I don't think this is like you know the Bill Polian and Ralph Wilson days where where Mister Wilson would sit there and say, no, pal, we're we're not paying this," and Polian would like. Get down into a three-point stance and challenge him to a wrestling match, like <laughs> they they said that they did back uh-huh. when when Kel- Jim Kelly's representation was talking about how bad the offensive line was. So I I think that if Rosenhaus is there, there's there's got to be some smoke. Um, I I wonder what an extension would look like for Poyer, given as you said the the cap situation that Buffalo has. Um, it's really just this year that's tight because they they've got some some room on the back end here thanks to the new TV deal that kicks in and and Bean has done a really nice job structuring a lot of these contracts but Poyer's cap hit right now is is fifth or sixth on the team. i mean he's o- over 10 mil so if they did extend him that number would have to come down for this season and then you wonder how many years they'd want to give him cuz i when did you listen to, to Poyer's or did you see his the, the press conference that he gave at the end of practice?
1: No, I, I, I'd only heard about it. I didn't actually uh, read or listen to it yet.
0: All right. So they, like, I, I listened to it while it was happening. So I didn't get a chance to like go back and really digest it, but he sounded to me less like a guy who wants to be the highest paid safety in the league and more that he wants to be a guy who has earned the respect to, have the security of not having to be on the last year of his contract. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know that he's, I mean, hiring Rosenhaus suggests that he's not going to sit here and give a hometown discount. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that if Buffalo tried to come in, like, say at a high annual per year, but only give him two years and Poyer countered with four and they tried to say, no, we'll do three years. I feel like he'd stick and go, no, we're, we're doing a four year deal or, mm-hmm. or we're going to go. I I think that he might want the security of of being here. I I could completely be misreading that, but he the way he was talking didn't strike me as as being a guy who's like yeah give me eighteen million dollars a year for two years just so we can do this again. I think he might want eighteen million dollars a year for four years, but mm-hmm. he's he wants I think he wants that security of being around.
1: He turns thirty this year, correct? Or does he turned thirty one. Do you know
0: so he's 31 he just turned 31 in April okay so he'll be 32 next year so he's safety presumably, and he's in great shape and, yeah oh yeah and the guy he had he had some injury issues uh with Cleveland prior to coming to Buffalo uh but he's he's only missed three games as oh. as a bill mm-hmm. he missed two his first year uh and and he missed one last season so he's he's been very durable um I I could see it being completely reasonable in his mind for, for wanting four years, for wanting three years to know that it'll be okay. Then I'll be 35 years old. I'll be 36. Hopefully we'll have won a Super Bowl or three and, and then I can go ahead and, and retire up here. And I, I think that's what he wants. So I, I wonder, I wonder what number is going to get it done is, is really where it comes in. So, and I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be cautiously pessimistic. I'm I'm gonna sit here and say, nah, it's not gonna happen and hope that the uh, the Murphy's Law route comes through and, and that it actually does work.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm I'm thinking with I, I have the same mindset as you when it comes to that that I feel like it's uh if it does happen if it does happen, knowing Brandon Bean, the way that he's done contracts with older players um, I feel like it's not going to be more than maybe a two year extension because if he's right. 31 now, I mean, I know the tread on his tires isn't the same because he, I don't even know if he had a starting role in Cleveland the whole time he was there. I think he was more like a Micah Hyde, yeah. like, like, yeah, like a diamond in the rough sort of guy. And Brandon Bean hit on both, or it was a McDermott that hit on both those. Brandon Bean, I can't remember, but
0: um, it was, it was like McDermott slash Whaley, but it was mm. probably more like, you know, wink, wink, Whaley is making these signings. Yeah. When, yeah. McDermott was probably calling the shots.
1: <laughs> and he saw the talent in those guys and uh and both guys don't have a lot of tread on the tires. Um but then again, you know how it is. I mean, man, like in your 30s, man, like things are aren't mm-hmm. quite the same um physically. So, uh I can't see more than 2 years. I can't see him being around past this year and in two more years, I think it'll be mostly like he'll get a bump this season and another big payday next season. And I think that might be all that Brandon Bean's willing to, because at some point, like at some point, Rambean just can't sign all these guys. Like I mean, I feel like we say this all the time in free agency, but right. he can't. He there's just there's just not enough money for that to happen. And uh, I was talking with someone from Cover One. They were saying um, it was Anthony, and he was saying that uh, he suspects that Poyer will play out this season under the current contract, and then. Re- renegotiate in the off season. So that's an interesting thought. That would right. be the best for all worlds right now so that they can yeah. get through this year with a limited cap that they have um uh without adding to it for this season or whatever. Um but then again like you said you could restructure on the back end to save up, shore up some cash space this season and push it more towards next season of the year after so uh, it's going to be interesting though. I'm, I'm I'm curious. I'm glad he's there. I'm glad he's uh he's a training camp he's not holding out, which I think it makes it I think it's a lot harder to hold out now with the collective bargaining agreement anyway. Um but yeah.
0: Yeah, I think so, but he he also like he doesn't strike me as a guy that would. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. He, he just seems like a he's
1: he's but, all I process. Mean,
0: we we, we Yeah. We used to say this about like Chris Kelsey was the guy who like brought his lunch pail to work every day. And like (laughs) Poyer's one of those guys. He just, he's going to come in, he's going to do his job. He's not going to be a loud mouth about it and he's going to be great at it. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think that Anthony, like the point you just made is is a good one about him. Like maybe he plays it out. Maybe he gambles on himself. And I, I think that the, my counter to that is even that as, as a head coach, Sean McDermott's specialty is defensive backs, right? So I think that he might even be willing to gamble on himself and say, OK, look, if we're going to gamble, like, can I, am I going to find a tight end like Dawson Knox or am I going to be able to find a safety like Jordan Poyer? And I think if you're a, a guy who's a football person who trusts himself to deal in defensive backs – He's gonna roll the dice on on coaching up one of those younger guys to to fill the need at, at safety. I'm not saying it's what I would do. I'm not saying it's necessarily the right move, but I I think if they're in between, you're the other layer to it that they won't say out loud is is who's the real guy that they have to keep happy on this whole 53 man roster. It's Alan. you're you're yeah. not gonna take away a, an <laughs> offensive weapon. For the, I mean, Allen obviously he wants the whole team to be solid. But if if you're in between, if you're in between getting wideouts or or signing somebody on the back end, I I think you're going to spend the money uh, on the front end. So I'll I'll keep myself cautiously pessimistic. Like I said, I <laughs> I have a, a sneaky suspicion that this is the last year that Jordan Poyer wears a Buffalo uniform. Yeah, but hopefully i am hopefully i'm wrong and if i'm not wrong hopefully we send the man out with a uh, with a parade in uh, yeah. in downtown buffalo
1: yeah yeah absolutely so let's so that's a great way to transfer into or change into the uh the training camp stuff. I only have a few uh different training camp news and notes from, from today. Um mentioned a little bit of the experience of going to training camp, but uh one of the things I was really interested in seeing was uh Matarisa, the punter, oh, which yeah. is like one of the most exciting free agent or not free agent, but like uh, special teams players draft picks that we've had in a while. I mean Tyler Bass I mean, was always I mean that was that was a good one. Yeah. That was really interesting. When Tyler was here, but, but Nate, what, were you
0: say? what other what other team sits here and they get excited? Like of all of the draft picks, who is the guy that like everybody blew up about? It was the freaking
1: punter. Punter.
0: Like I mean, like we see James Cook, we were like, yeah, this guy's gonna be great. He's named after a pirate. This will be sweet. Like he's a great <laughs> catch pass receiver. Like this Shakira guy who we drafted the fifth round. Oh, he's awesome. And then we got Punt God, and he doesn't even like to be called Punt God. He doesn't yeah, know. We,
1: yeah. That's so funny. You're right. It's like, so it's so weird that the six round punter that we got was just like one of the more interesting prospects that we, I mean, there are punters taken in the third and fourth round, like, you know, and yeah. they they, those teams probably aren't talking up their punters as much as we are about our six round punter that we didn't think would be there. But man, like, let me just say like he, uh at the very beginning, uh, you know, I was watching the two guys and uh from some of my vantage points, it's hard to see which one was punting. Uh mm-hmm. But, like, after the first few punches, you're like, oh, they're about the same. Like, you know, there's not that much difference between Matt Hawk. Maybe Matt Hawk's doing a little bit better. He's having some good hang time. And then Matt Ariza started really letting him go, man. And he was popping him about 60, 70, some people were saying even 80 yards, which was hard to really yeah. exactly say how far it was. But, man, like, the offensive linemen were sitting in the end zone. Of, of, uh, the one side of the field just kind of walking or talking to the coaches. And they had to watch out for balls being kicked their way because the punter returners had to move back there to try to catch these yeah. Matariza bombs. And, uh, yeah, they just had to get out of there. So, so he was noticeable. And sometimes, you know, you, it seems as though you, um, lose hang time when you kick a ball that far. Uh, but Mm -hmm. it didn't seem like he was losing hang time to Matt Hawks, you know, 40 to 50 yard punts or whatever it was ended up being for Matt. Um, the one thing I'll give Matt Hawk is that it didn't look terrible. It didn't look like the regular season where like he ended up having like way too late of a punt or anything like that. Again, hard to see kind of sort of when the linemen are pushing back from where I was, but, uh, it didn't he didn't look terrible. I will say that about Matt Hawk, but he was no Mat Reza. Matt Reza looked um really good today. Um and he wasn't kicking it like out of bounds or anything like that. Like he was getting good hang time. He was pushing players back into the corner so, at some points too. Um, which I was talking, you know, with Griff about that earlier after the draft. He's like, Well, he's not as much of a directional punter, and maybe he still needs to work on that, but uh he looked pretty good today. So that's one of the one of the standouts I have uh from today's uh training camp the other side of that was okay yeah go ahead what were you gonna say
0: no i was uh was it you or was it i i can't remember whose tweet it was it was either you or it was greg from cover one who said that that a couple of the punts did it was that they almost impaled bobby hart is that (laughs) what the the phrasing was so i think that the the fact that this guy was dropping bombs in there from from that deep is is indicative of the ability that the guy has. And like, I, I think that it may be the worst kept secret in, in the entire roster that Hawk is, is a dead man walking unless something <laughs> yeah. weird happens here. Exactly. He's but like a training camp it's, body. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's good to see him play perform better. Cause I do think that, that like last year was obviously not a good year for him. Uh, and it, and it did without a doubt, hold the team back in that he, he just, was not doing his his job as effectively as he could. Um, it's, it's great that we have a good enough roster in Buffalo where we can sit here and and dissect what the punter's doing as being one of the bigger issues. But he, uh, it's, yeah, I, I, think it's about that, that time where you've, you've got that exciting sixth round prospect beans, not a guy who's wasting his draft picks. Um, Said the same thing when they drafted Tyler Bass. Like once, once they picked him up, even though they had a a solid veteran and Stephen Hauschka, like it was it was his time at that point. I I think it's it was a good first day. It looked like, and I'm glad that you're. Confirming that because i was i was like scouring the twitter feed trying to see who was there and once i saw you dropping things about the punter i i kind of did a little fist pump in my home <laughs> office here
1: well you know it's it's funny because things the first day you know there there's so many so much expectations and you kind of have to you know kind of bring them back a little bit because this is the first time these guys have played together since you know what is it june or may or whatever um yeah for ot so it's like for minicamp, it's it's tough to you know, these guys are still getting back together. They're still getting on the same page with one another, so it's hard to say that. And I'll and I'll mention Josh Allen in regards to that a little bit later. But uh, opposite of Matariza, guys returning the punts, which I think is a really interesting positional thing that uh, I'll be watching for. I'm sure you will be, Sean. Will be. Uh, oh yeah. Who who is actually returning the punts and who could be doing it? Um, and in this case, they had four different guys. They actually had a couple of other guys, but they were only in. Only did it like once. Uh, but the main guys were Marquez Stevenson, last year's mm-hmm. rookie, wide receiver, which by the way, we don't talk a whole lot about. Like it's almost I feel like uh the NFL is such a what have you done for me lately league that you forget about these guys that were injured last season or that were only minimally involved. And sometimes you write them off and you're like, Okay, what's the next new shiny toy? Oh, Khalil Shakir, okay, so he's gonna replace Marquez right. Stevenson. You kind of just like completely doubt these guys but marquez stevenson was out there today uh returning punts and uh and he looked okay he looked okay he was he had some end of the end of the uh they were doing uh passing drills uh against no defensive defensive backs or pass rush or anything just the wide receivers And the quarterback, and um, he looked good. Um, they all looked good, to be honest. None of them looked bad. But like for him, he's not a big guy. He was making some. He was high pointing the ball and toe tapping in, um, each time. It looked like I I was happy to see him actually show up, um, on that side of the ball, on the offensive side of the ball, and returning punts. Because I mean, I kind of always root for these late round, you know, rookies and guys that don't have a chance. So I mean, it would be cool to see him him uh, somehow stick around on the roster.
0: Oh yeah, and and he, you know, he looked good in the preseason last year. He made a couple of nice grabs, the one the uh the Jake Fromm game when he mm-hmm. he went flying down at the end and uh put them in a position to win. I think it was against the Bears. He caught like a 40 something yard uh bomb down the left sideline, but he's he's a speedy dude. I, his nickname is Speedy. The guy can fly. He looked hesitant when he had his opportunity in real action. Uh, but that's understandable given the, the circumstances under which he took over the punt returner gig because Isaiah McKenzie put himself in the doghouse by fumbling a couple of times. So if you're a rookie who then gets an opportunity, what do you think the message is? Don't mess up. (laughs) And and if you're out there thinking don't mess up, then you're not going to be able to, to flow as freely and let your athleticism do the things uh that it just does so I think that when I, I wrote about him and, and I can't remember who the commenters were but a few people uh said they were worried about the the angles that he took and the the way that he did or did not follow his blockers on kickoff and punt returns because it did look like he was just running directly into defenders at different points and I wonder if he was just nervous and he just didn't quite have it together so now maybe this second year it's it's a good sign for him to come out day one of camp and do something because he does he's got the quickness he has the the sudden uh change of direction ability uh he was a fairly solid wide out at, at houston i think that his his numbers when in his last year of college were okay uh, and, he, and he did a lot of things that buffalo likes to do with guys like isaiah mckenzie with uh, what i expect them to do with jameson crowder uh that that spread the field uh east west rather than north south so he's yeah That's that's a good thing, because even though we do, like you said, uh, about Shakir, and I hope that you've you've got a little on him, too, because he is the shiny new toy. But Stevenson can kind of put his hand up and say, hey, don't forget about me.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we'll we'll let's talk about Khalil Shakir. I mean, he was back there returning punts as well, um, which I didn't necessarily expect. But it was cool to see that Um, I didn't see. So, so this was, this was interesting. Like they weren't doing a ton of ones, two, three specifically, like you would see. Mm -hmm. So, so just, just to give people an idea of what training camps mostly like is that, uh, you know, they do individual drills, they do, you know, uh, They've done in the past, uh, like wide receiver DB drills where, you know, the quarterback will ha- you know, there will be a route that the wide receiver knows they're going to run and the DB will just try to cover it. No pass rush. It's just quarterback. It's just wide receiver versus DB essentially. Um, they didn't do that this, this time today. Um, they left out a lot of things. They didn't do 11 on 11 at the end. So they, they did it, but it was like within, I think the 10 yard line of the end zone. So it wasn't quite the same as, you know, you would see. So usually what they do is, They'll have them start at their own 20, march down the field, see how far you can get, you know, a third down, go four down, fourth, you know, see what you can do. But they didn't even do that. This, so it was, it was a toned down training camp practice. So I didn't see a ton of Khalil Shakir. Um, but all of the wide receivers and tight ends, none of them really stood out as, uh, as poor, uh, pass catchers by any means. Um, even trying to see where, you know, Khalil Shakir was lining up. I mean, James Crowder was with the ones, the very, you know, in the end zone, um, Drill. So, um, right. he's out there. He looked, he looked good returning punts. None of the punter returners I looked at. So I, uh, you mentioned Marcus Stevenson, um, Khalil Shakir, Tavon Austin was back there returning punts. Um, right. Isaiah, Isaiah McKenzie was returning punts. All those guys, none of them were dropping them. Um, which is, you know, what we're all looking for down there. Yeah. They brought, they brought a couple of gunners just to like pretend like they were going to, you know, try to tackle, um, just to, just to simulate some sort of coverage. Right. Uh, but no one stood out as uh as, you know, making any big mistakes from that from that point of view. So that that was a good sign.
0: Yeah, definitely. We'll, That's we'll see when the bullets
1: are flying though. <laughs>
0: right, yeah. The one uh, I was I was looking at Matt Warren's uh fifty-three man roster projection and the one we're we're actually we we line up, he and I do on fifty-two of the fifty-three names. And his name that I didn't have on was Taven Austin. He has him Making the squad as a returner, uh, which would mean no Stevenson. Uh, Shakir is on there, as is uh, McKenzie as wide receivers uh, five and four. Shakir would be five. McKenzie would be four. Uh, And then who who was the fourth guy that we said was returning the punts? Oh, uh, Austin, McKenzie, Shakir,
1: Stevenson,
0: Stevenson. Oh, Shakir. Yep,
1: y'all. Austin's. Yep.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. This is why I teach English, not math. Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah. So they yeah. So you've got that that last person in there. And I, and I had them keeping an extra linebacker, uh, especially with with Andre Smith. I know we're kind of jumping things here. here, but I I had them keeping an extra linebacker and, and not keeping Austin as a return specific guy, not keeping Stevenson as a return specific guy because they've got both McKenzie and Shakir who can do it. And uh, if they've shown the willingness in the past, even though I don't think anybody likes it to, uh, to send Micah Hyde back there to kind of do the Chris Watson thing (laughs) and just be a punt catcher instead of a punt returner. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they'll, they'll at least go that route. But it's, I think that's, that's one of those battles there that that's going to be interesting to watch, which if one of those four guys can go ahead and stand out because, McKenzie and Shakira probably have a role on offense, uh, whereas Stevenson and Austin may not unless they can show, uh, A, that they can do it, but B, that they would have that value and that versatility as a punt returner. So I, I feel like that's, that's going to be one of the bigger battlegrounds this, uh, this summer.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's, I'm glad you brought up, like, those fringe players of the 53 man roster. Like you mentioned, I, I gotta say this, cause you brought up Micah Hyde. Micah Hyde might be one of the better returners on this team, if we're being honest, cause he almost oh, returned so one. Good. He almost, he did return one. Remember, there was that onside kick he returned a couple of seasons yes. ago, and then last year, he almost returned one again in this role to just literally, like, you know, catch the ball. He almost returned one, and, uh, or was that an interception return? I can't remember, but like. Oh,
0: no, no, that was, that was a punt the that was best a pun. part about it. They were, it was the new, it was the wild card game. It was against the Patriots. And he was so pissed off that his <laughs> teammate tripped him when they were up 30. He was like, Bro, I almost had one. And you could tell the guy was kind of like, Oh, yeah, my bad, my bad.
1: But Mike Hyde was legitimately pissed. It looked like, like he was just like, Come Oh, on.
0: yeah. No, he was mad. I mean, yeah. if you get a shot to score. I mean, you're going to go. And if oh, yeah. I if Hyde weren't so darn into the defense, you. you want him to to do more of that but but you, you just can't you, i know you can't afford to have a player of his caliber doing it
1: but you know what you know what my, my my counter to that would be like i mean there are teams that have like when antonio brown was in his prime he was returning punts you know what i mean like that's and he i mean i can't remember him getting injured from it but like you know like there's there's a point of like sometimes if these guys are that good you know anyway I I, I don't necessarily yeah. think he should be I would hope we have someone better I like Mike Hyde a lot I don't want him injured on defense but at the same time like he's really good um, in his limited sample size but um, I'm really kind of hoping like you said Isaiah McKenzie or Marcus Stevenson or someone just kind of runs away with it or someone that can be a dual threat hopefully you know in, in that I, we, we forget about Marcus Stevenson I believe he's more of an outside wide receiver um, at least he was Wasn't that you were talking about that Bears game preseason game last season? That big catch he had down the sidelines, he was lined up uh, out there. Um, You know, it it would be really cool. The Bills offense in general just lacks speed, you know, like those really, really quick wide receivers. We have very good wide receivers, but we don't have a lot of very quick wide receivers, right? So that would be a good, I'm just kind of talking down the line.
0: Yeah, well, like, Stefan Diggs is so good that you can't use him just to take the top off a of defense. So then you need a guy, and Mackenzie is more shifty and quick than he is fast, if that makes sense. And, and then you've got a guy like Shakir adds that element, that dynamic speed, agility, so does Stevenson. So, and they don't have, It's it's good that you mentioned that Stevenson is an outside guy. Because they don't have beyond Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis, who are who's the outside guy on on this on this roster? Do you know what I mean? Like who yeah. who would you put out there exactly. instead of those two guys?
1: Jake Kummerl,
0: maybe touchdown That's, jesus you, you, and, you and i you and i you and i i i thought i was going to manifest it we talked about it last year like they're going to use kumaro as a tight end he's going to score touchdowns and then he just never did it so will <laughs> it he- finally be the, will it be the time that that finally jake kumaro comes in and maybe catches 20 passes for <laughs> Two hundred twenty yards and, and three touchdowns, and then Aaron Rodgers can watch ESPN at night and go, "God damn it! You see, they should have gotten them for me.
1: Man, I just wish we kept them." Uh, that's a that's a good impression of Aaron Rodgers, by the way. It's it's spot on.
0: <laughs> You're doing me way too many favors.
1: <laughs> well, what's interesting, we were talking about you know special teams and punting and the punter returners is that like you know to to you know. uh to defend Matt Hawk and the returners is they don't have the same special teams coach anymore in Heath Farwell. So now they have Matthew right. Smiley. Like that might add, hopefully, you're hoping with new coaching, just like they have Aaron Cromer at the, as their offensive line coach, you're hoping mm-hmm. these new coaches coming in will elevate the play of these special teamers, offensive linemen, whatever, whatever have you, you know, like, th- and so I'm looking at that, that possibly being one of the upgrades, hopefully, because the special teams crew has always seemed A little bit lacking like they've gotten better i think in coverage but they still i mean they they never flash you know Uh, it just uh, i mean kicking wise obviously tyler bass um he's a stud big fans of him but but um you know meanwhile like i mean they've been doing good at like usually stopping big returns uh that they haven't been able to do in the past but they just weren't able to um really capitalize and just make a mark as like splash plays you know what i mean
0: yeah. Well, I think it was a lot of don't mess up. Mm. And that's, I, I, I love Sean McDermott. I wonder how much of that is his, like his natural conservatism creeping in to some other places. Cause you've seen him try to open things up and then when it works, he'll do it again. But when it doesn't, he'll almost always instantly go back and revert even if it's just for a little bit. So I, I do wonder if some of that is, is some of that like, Hey, you know, we want you to make a play if you have one, but if there's not a play there that you see immediately, just, you know, don't mess up. We'll take yeah. it from here. We got it. Don't worry about it. And that's, I wonder if, if a slightly new voice there can, can sit and say, Hey, if you think you see a hole, but it's not necessarily where it's blocked and you can get out there, get out there. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like, give it a shot. See what you can do. Athlete. I, mm-hmm. I, I wonder how much of it is, is with it, with a little bit of a change of voice. So yeah, I, I, I hope that it works.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, some other notes I have uh, of the day. Um, Josh Allen had, uh, I didn't mention this earlier. He had a really nice pass to uh, Gabriel Davis in the end zone um, on the eleven. Uh, 11- 11 on 11, like end zone, okay. um, plays, which was good to see, um, which you would expect from Gabriel Davis. But I mean, he continues to impress, um, as well. Didn't see a ton from, um, Stefan Diggs. But then again, like with the, with the way that these guys are calling plays, you don't know if they're trying to work on one specific thing as opposed to really trying to score touch. You know what I mean? Like, like right, there's a thing, yeah. there was one play where, Allen rolled out right, and he, he was immediately met in the backfield um It was as if like you know in Tech Mobile, where you would call the same play as the as a computer or whatever, <laughs> yeah. and you would like sack them right away like without them even yep. getting a chance to get them. that was like what that play was like so uh, I mean good to see from the defense uh but you know it's it is what it is um one thing I'll say negatively was that Isaiah Hodgins, which I was kind of looking forward to seeing. You know, seeing how he would do. I mean, he there's a lot of camp talk about him last season. Um, yep. This is his third year. He hasn't been able to really make the roster due to injuries. And I, you know, he came in with Gabe Davis. People were talking about him being possibly better than Gabe Davis at the time. I do remember that talk? Yeah. And he just he dropped an easy pass from Keenum, um, an out route um, to, towards the sidelines, and I was just like, ah, like you need to, you really need to look look better um you know yeah. from and, and i and i'm i'm rooting for the guy i hope he makes it but um not a good start we'll see how that goes um from there tim settle jr the the newly acquired free agent defensive tackle had a had a had a big pick today against caseenum so that what? was cool to see
0: a thick pick is that is that <laughs> what they're calling those now <laughs> uh, or yeah. a, a pick thick i don't yeah i i heard it i didn't see it but that's the big fellas look i think that the best thing that they did all off season was reshuffle the interior defensive line. And I know that he it seems like Bean reshuffles the line every year, but I I think that Starletoulole was killing them. And I mean, God bless Harrison Phillips. He is a great dude. He is a very good football player. I in this particular defense they need a guy who is bigger and stronger in the middle there to occupy it. So between settle who seems like he has settled right into what they do culturally and and, uh, on the field, but Daquan Jones too, like those are two dudes who I feel like they're going to free up everybody else. And and this defensive line, I I think this is going to be the configuration. This is it. So I, when I saw that settle got the big man pick, I, I was, I was fist pumping. I felt bad because it was at the expense of Case Keenum, who seems like a good dude. Think he was a good signing too, but like, it's practice. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like we, we're sitting here, like, I don't, I've, I've coached multiple sports eight million times and the number of stupid plays that my players, and obviously they're only high school kids, but where they'll try to throw passes into things that don't exist or they'll try to, and they'll, they'll make mistakes in practice that I just keep my fingers crossed that we, we don't make the same mistakes in a game. I could not imagine if I were sitting here playing and it's just practice and we're trying to, like you said, work on a specific play call or, or work on doing a specific thing. And then you've got the Tecmo Super Bowl pass rush comes in. It blows up. And all of a sudden, 100,000 people tweet, oh, Buffalo's offense is trash right now. Oh, Josh Allen's overrated. Oh, Case Keenum just got picked off by a big man. Like, oh, what a bad signing. So it's it's so the balance in between, like, for us to take all of this and take all this information in, but also to realize that, like, these dudes are working out the kinks and it was day one. It's, yeah, it's, it's a fine line for them to... To go through but I am I'm happy that some of these new guys like you're pinging their names already like settles making an impact dudes are doing things in there it's this is this is good
1: yeah yeah and and that's, that's a great segue into Josh Allen because how could I not talk about training camp without talking about you know the most important piece of the training camp Um so like I mentioned Isaiah Hodgins not having a good practice he was like that was only one pass. Like it wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of really negative plays. I mean, I would say, I mean, with Case Keenum, even with that pick to Tim Settle jr. It's like, you know, I don't think anyone expects a whole lot from Case Keenum and who knows Tim Settle jr. Might be that good that that's, you know, yeah. that's what he does. And not a lot of players can do that against Case Keenum, but um Josh Allen did have some plays, uh, just have some passes, at least one knockdown at the line of scrimmage. Um, he was, he was off the mark a bit more than i was expecting of course you know you have to temper expectations anything negatively i i even imply about josh allen is just like i i still love the guy i think he's a great player it's just yeah. it, maybe it wasn't a great practice um but to, but then again you know i think that we're all thinking hall of fame super bowl worthy so anything <laughs> short of that you know you kind yep. of you know you got to get out of that mindset so like he was when it when there was no defenders i mean he looked as crisp as ever um of course all the quarterbacks looked pretty good including matt barkley when there's no defense defenseman right um, or anything in your face but uh you know he was missing guys and out routes he was having some bad communication um and he had a, a few good passes you know with the defenders there uh but you know maybe not just not his best practice that's all um again i'm not worried about that um it's one of those things where you know guys just take a, he hadn't been with his guys for a you know, like we mentioned, since uh, minicamp, um, just a lot of kinks to yeah. work out. And like I said, you don't know what plays they're calling and if they're trying to work on something specific as opposed to, you know, a real game where they, they have a certain game plan in play and certain plays that they're specifically calling to attack the defense. I don't think that they were necessarily trying to do that today.
0: Yeah, and I also think, too, that in a practice setting, because part of Alan's magic, if you will, is that he's so good when he goes off script. When when things don't go to plan and the pocket's collapsing all around him and he stiff arms a guy and then he throws a defensive lineman on the ground and then he rolls out to his right and then he fires a ball 50 yards on a rope to the opposite side of the field and everybody goes, oh my God, how did he do that? And in, in a practice setting, you're not necessarily going to do that. You're going to say, okay ken dorsey my first time offensive coordinator called this play and that's the option and that's the read and that's what i'm going to try to execute because that's how it goes in the lab setting and then once they once the the real bullets start flying if you will then they go ahead and and get things in there so yeah it's uh it's always concerning when when qb1 doesn't look like you want qb1 to look but i i think that uh the taking it with a grain of salt is, is a solid thing to do.
1: Yeah. I was even hesitant to even mention what I said about Josh Allen, but I, I gotta be honest, you know, with what I see and it was fine. I mean, it was like I said, there were, they, 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 they they just like, they brought training camp down more than I'm used to as far as what they're doing. And there was no physicality. There were no pads on or anything today. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a very simple practice. Uh, So, I mean, you looked okay. It looked okay for for Josh Allen. I didn't say he looked bad. And and you mentioned something interesting about his like improvisational skills. Like I mean, how many quarterbacks have we seen come through um Buffalo specifically and they have some of those skills and then they just either get it coached out of them or they just start turtling, you know, when it doesn't work yeah. and they're just checked down, check down, check down. Like Josh Allen has always been like do whatever it takes to win. Think about the, like the Houston Texans game where like he was going to get tackled and he tried to like lateral it to Dawson. Yes, yeah. you know, like it, it didn't work. It failed miserably. Imagine if that play works. So he's like, that's like, that's like highlight play. You know, for the next twenty years, if yeah, that works, exactly.
0: We, he, don't, we don't have to think about Taiwan Jones breaking a tackle on a random. <laughs> yeah, oh, and uh, that yeah. still gives me a shiver. But
1: yeah. Uh, but at the same time, like, you know, he didn't, he was, he's so good uh that he didn't get it coached out of him and he still does it except better. You know what I mean? Like he actually is better as improvisational skills than he was before. And he's oh, making yeah. more of, I mean, that's, I, that That just speaks to how good he is because I think most people, they either stop doing them or they don't get better at them.
0: Yeah. And I I can think like. Go back to the guys who were the quarterbacks before him. Tyrod Taylor was great at that improv- improvisational stuff until he wasn't. And, and even like even a kid like EJ Manuel. I mean, if Doug Marone, Saint Doug, isn't sitting there over him, sitting there not wanting this quarterback and not wanting this this guy who's going to go quote unquote off his script, if if you could have just brought those things out in them maybe they maybe neither of those guys they're not as good as alan is uh but but maybe they could have been better than they were here uh just if they had the right combination of people so i guess i guess we're going to see how much of that was uh was alan and and brian dayball clicking and and how much of that was uh was alan just just being himself so it's uh this this is going to be an interesting look i i have i've got maybe too much confidence that he's going to be even better this year. Cause I feel like he's going to be on a mission and, and he's the kind of guy that when you doubt him, he just seems to be better. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that it's going to be, yeah, I, I think this is going to be solid.
1: Yeah. You know, he's one of those guys that you don't question his drive and his, Willingness to prepare and be ready and become as good as he possibly can be because, you know, I, I, you mentioned Jordan Poyer's co- press conference. I did not watch that, but I did watch um josh allen's press conference afterwards Mm -hmm. and he was basically saying you know people kept bringing up super bowl expectations super bowl expectations and he said no one has any higher no one has higher expectations of us than we do we always want the super bowl that's always how it is and every time he's like every time there's 31 unhappy teams he's like and i understand that and i get that he's like but you know that's that is our expectations. We're going to do the best that we can. And we're, you know, I'm going to demand that of the people around me. And I demand that of myself. And uh, I mean, he, he wasn't like, you know, nobody, again, nobody was worried about his practice today in the media room right. or anything like that. You know, it was just, um, you know, my observations, but I mean, I think, I think he's dialed in. I think he's ready. Um, it the only thing, the only thing I could see questioning a little bit would be the way that Ken Dorsey runs his offense comparison to how Brian Dable did his and how yes. they're going to mesh together uh you know just because Josh Allen hasn't done hasn't had to do that with someone else you know so that's that's going to be an interesting um thing to watch and it maybe it could end up being a little bit slower of a start of the season offensively because of that or it could be better you never know
0: yeah and, and Dorsey's never called plays either so it's it's going to be a learning curve for him uh the positive obviously is that he was, he's been in the room with Alan for the last couple of years. So they know he knows what he does. Well, he knows what he likes. He knows what he doesn't like. Um, I, I think it's going to be, it's the personnel groupings to me are, are going to be what's interesting. Like, do we see it as wide open and spread out? Uh, does the signing of OJ Howard indicate that we're going to see some more heavy, big sets Uh, what, what is Dorsey going to do in the chess match to set Alan up to, to go ahead and checkmate everybody?
1: (laughs) Imagine if they learned how to run a screen pass, Sean. Like, imagine that.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. Are you kidding? That would be, that would be like marvelous. But I I think again, somebody, and I, I don't freaking remember who, who tweeted it, but they, they said that they, there was a bubble screen that he threw to, to digs. And it was two big boys that went out to block. It was like Dawkins and Howard went out, like pulled out to go get him. And they were um, like, "That's a nice use of resources to go yeah. ahead and do something like that." Um, they were they were running that his his audible was that gold rip for for a little while. And that what they did when they saw Cover Zero, when they saw that there was nobody playing back deep, he would audible to that. Which was basically whoever was on the outside. It looked like it was mostly to his right hand side, uh, that he would just run a little bubble and, and go ahead and throw it. And they got a touchdown out of it with John Brown. I think it was against the Jets. And then they kept running the same play with the same cadence. And, and that to me is problematic because when I'm sitting on my couch and you can call the play and I go, Oh, shoot. It's a bubble screen right side. They know the The opposing team knows that it's coming too, so I wonder what the what the audible system is gonna be if if they're what they're gonna change how they're gonna do it uh and if they've come up with any other you know little screen type passes in there. And which running back will they use to run them more often? Because obviously we think that it's definitely going to be James Cook. Do we see Devin Singletary more as a receiver? Uh, do they shock everybody and cut Zach Moss and keep Duke Johnson? Am I being crazy because I don't like Zach Moss very much? <laughs> Tune in at 11 to find
1: out. <laughs> that's, that's definitely one of the uh, – so – uh real quick like we were talking about dable versus dorsey uh, yeah. what what De- dorsey might do um i mean this might be better all around just because I it, it's possible that you know and, and Alan came in as a rookie when you know brian dable was hired uh when you're at that point uh you're not really able to direct things and tell tell the coaches how you want things to to be and how you like things and maybe you don't even know exactly how what you like at that point because you're so right. new and so fresh so um, and Brian Dable and I'm sure he gave him some freedoms with the offense I think this is going to be the most freedom Josh a- Allen has had and I think Ken Dorsey would probably welcome that as a new offensive coordinator say hey tell me what you like tell me what you don't like and then also at the same time like a- Allen mentioned this at-, at his press conference he's like every day he's like I think my lucky stars that Ken Dorsey is here that I have him to work with like this is this, – he doesn't have to say you – now, people will say, like, oh, he has to say nice things about Endorsey." He doesn't have to go to that level to say he's no. like, oh, I'm glad – you know, he could be like, I'm glad Ken and I have a great relationship. He doesn't have to say, like, to that extent, like, I think my lucky stars. That's something you say about, like, your wife or, or like, you know, significant other. <laughs> like, I'm thankful they're yeah. in my life. Thank God. Yep. You know, like, you're not just like, oh, we get along. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, we get, well, so I, that, that's I, a I, good sign. I think
0: I think that I think that he's the reason why Dorsey is here. And I think that Dorsey that it seemed to me that they Dorsey could have gone with Dayball. And I think that Dorsey stayed probably because he knows he has a better shot at, I mean, looking good with Josh Allen as his quarterback instead of Daniel Jones, but also because they seem to have a very good relationship. Uh, do, do Allen and Dorsey and, and Dorsey seems to have a good mind for things he's done. I mean, Allen's best professional years have been with him as the quarterback coach, regardless of, of what you think, uh, how much influence that guy has. He's, he's done a really nice job with him. So I, I think that this is going to be good and, and thanking his lucky stars indicates that the, the relationship, it may not be as, alan and and dayball had a very like big bro kind of relationship like the cool the cool uncle and and the nephew who idolizes him that kind of thing going on (laughs) Mm -hmm. but they i think that that alan and dorsey seem like they're this is going to be a good working partnership
1: Mm -hmm. like maybe maybe less like um that i love that analogy by the way like cool uncle versus like nephew right like that's 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 perfect. Like, we all all
0: have one, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you like know what that's like. And he loved Dable and he mentioned that all the time. But maybe this will be more, especially because, you know, I think Ken Dorsey's a little bit younger. Like, this could be more of like a big bro, little bro sort of relationship where he's still the one calling the shots. He's still responsible, but. You know, you still have to respect little brother, you know, it, it, what his in, insight is, what he sees, what he likes. And, uh, and at the same time, though, if, 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 you know, not, not give Josh Allen too much of a leash they, to have him call him the whole thing, because if things start to go south, he's still the one that has to answer to McDermott. So, um, yeah, I mean, but, but to be able to give that, that quick, you know, uh, observations in the huddle be like you know when he been the sidelines like you know they're leaving this open the entire game we need to attack it and stuff like that i think i think i think dable was more rigid at points than he should have been i think he was less likely to change his direction of coaching within a game at some point when sure things weren't working way. yeah so yeah <laughs> it felt like that so but yeah i mean this this has been uh An incredible conversation sean as always um we talked twice last season during training camp and then we talked in the bye week and uh it's always so much fun to have you on sean where where can people find your work um and if you i i don't know if you plug social media yet or twitter or anything going on um anything else that you'd like to plug for any of the work that you do for for the site or anywhere else
0: yeah, no, my uh, my social media handle is all uh based on, on some Section 9 high school softball. So I don't think any of you are going to want to follow that <laughs> unless you're uh you're interested in, in our exploits as a softball team. But otherwise, uh, all my work, you can just find it on uh, on the Buffalo Rumblings website. We'll tweet it out that way. And then uh, I, I just love being with you, man. It's, it's great to talk to you. It's always fun. I, I look forward to it every year.
1: Yeah, this, is, this has been, I appreciate that. I love the personal conversation. I love the Bill's conversation. This is always a treat. Thank you so much for coming on, Sean. I really appreciate it. Oh, dude,
0: anytime. Love it. Thank you. <laughs>